So much about parenting is being prepared. So in the next few minutes, you're going to learn how to get ahead of the questions and be prepared to talk about sensitive stuff now that your five-year-old or your six-year-old or however old they are is starting school. And welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in a car each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And the answer for this week comes from the growth pillar. Now, the growth pillar has um, all sorts of things that help us talk about age-appropriate topics. So it's the perfect pillar for this question because if we're thinking about how to prepare for questions, um, certainly one of the main ways to do that is to understand what information children um, need and want and can understand at the different ages they are at. This pillar makes conversations so much easier because it takes the guesswork out of what to say. Um, it also structures topics um, for different age categories. So we've got nine pillars inside the Evolved Family Method and each of them is broken down into conversations you can have for children four and under, 5 to 8, 9 to 12, 13 to 15, and 16 plus. So it's a one-stop shop for age-appropriate conversations with children about sensitive things. And of course, because it's situated in the evolved family method, then you know that um, you're also focusing on building connection. It's not just about the information. It's also about the connection. So what most people do or what most adults who are raising a child or children would do if they have this question about being prepared um, because their child is starting school would be to look at what you can talk about for the age your child is and then probably what will be happening if i'm being completely honest based on what i see is that there will be this sense of shock of like really you can talk to kids from four years old about consent and about um, sperms and eggs and about um, genitals and about you know all sorts of things people people's privacy and some people don't respect privacy and you can talk about all of the pillars with children from a very young age so oftentimes it will come as quite a shock and uh, what parents tell me is they realize that oh actually I thought it was just about getting the age-appropriate information, so I knew what to talk about, but actually that's not it at all. The age-appropriate information can be super confronting. It's far more about how can we prepare ourselves to have these conversations. Um, and I understand why most of us would think that it's about the age-appropriate topics, because um, sex is one of those things, and puberty, and bodies, and babies and all that sort of stuff. Well, we've been um, brought up in an environment where it wasn't part of everyday life. And so we have beliefs about the information that somehow it's sort of different to information about uh, healthy food or um, riding a bike. Um, and so we think there are different rules for it, but that's not the case at all. You know, sometimes we are um, wanting to make sure that we're doing this exactly right, that one of our default patterns in parenting will be to wait till a child asks a question about something sensitive. And, um, and then even sometimes we can be surprised at the questions they're asking and we can be wondering if what they're asking is age appropriate too. So this pattern of not being sure if something is the right thing to say to a child at whatever age they are, 
um, feeling um, very clear that we want to do this exactly right and feeling worried about what happens if we get it wrong would be an indicator that the courageous tongue-tied parenting effect is coming into play. You know about this courageous tongue-tied parenting effect by now, but it's essentially that we have a clear vision of what we want in our family and in our parenting related particularly to conversations about sensitive things and having open, honest, natural communication with our children so they know they can come to us no matter what. They can talk to us about anything and everything. So that's the courageous part, the vision. The tongue-tied part is though that the skills that we need to realize that vision, uh, we haven't been raised with those. We haven't developed them. We haven't been taught them in you know, in our general parenting books or a parenting course, if you've taken a parenting course. So this effect, this courageous tongue-tied parenting effect, will cause us to maybe focus a lot on our child's innocence and feel worried about how do we protect their innocence and care for them. Um, and, you know, every parent who loves and wants the best for their child is absolutely going to want to um, protect their child's innocence for as long as possible. So let's talk about um, how to get ahead of the questions that might come up uh, with your child when they're starting primary school, their first school. And um, let's move from functioning as a courageous tongue-tied parent over to getting the skills and the information that helps you build your evolved communicating family. Point one, the first way to get ahead of the questions or to prepare for the questions is to remind yourself over and over again that sexuality, that part of our body, whether it's the, that part of our body like actually our genitals or that part of our body related to our mind and who we're attracted to or those parts of our bodies that are to do with conceiving new humans, all of that is there's nothing special about it. There's no um, different interpretation of those parts of our body. They are the same as our legs, our hands, our eyes, our hair, our neck, all the other parts of our body, our digestion, our resp respiratory system, um, our sexuality and those parts of our body related to it are neutral. They're completely and utterly neutral. Um, so. If you were able to talk to your child about lungs and how we don't smoke because what happens to our lungs or our digestion and why it's important to eat bread with fiber in it instead of white processed bread, for example, if that's one of your things in your family, then it's also possible to talk about how our genitals are our own and um, these are the names for them, and these are how we care for them, and these are the rules about them, just like we have rules about how we play with other children when they're coming over for playdates and what the rules are around the trampoline. It's just another part of being human. It's another part of parenting. There is no special rules or um, uh, strategies you have to use for talking about sensitive stuff. Point number two, but there are special strategies and rules for talking about sensitive stuff. And you're like, what, Sarah, you just said there wasn't any special rules. Because the fact is, our world has treated being sexual, like having sexuality as part of being human, as 
weird, different, something that has to be controlled, um, that there are right and wrong ways to do it. And if we do it right, we're good. And if we do it wrong, we're bad. And all these um, attitudes to sexuality has meant that those of us who grew up in environments where conversations about bodies and sex weren't talked about openly have developed beliefs about the rules for talking about sensitive stuff. And the rules will be, we have to do it right. We have to do it at the right time. We can only say a certain amount of things. We um, need to make sure we don't bother anyone else. Um, if we do it wrong, our child will be damaged. Um, one of the beliefs are there's a right and a wrong way to be sexual, um, which you might say, oh, but there is a right and a wrong way to be sexual because like there's, there's rape and there's like healthy relationships. Yes, that's right. But there's also right, you know, right and wrong ways to eat food. Like we can eat too much food or not enough food or too much fruit or not enough fiber. Or, well, you know, whatever it is, but we don't have the same sort of fear and worry about um, getting conversations about food with our kids wrong. Now we might worry about making sure they have enough to eat and obviously that is the case. And the um, we would also worry to make sure that our child has enough information to keep themselves safe. So I'm not talking about the fact that we wouldn't worry because let's face it, we're all parents and we worry. I'm more talking about the underlying beliefs that make it inaccessible for us as an adult raising a child or children to um, be open and um, have information flowing freely in a family group. Building an evolved communicating family is exactly that, a, a family that communicates. And the evolved part is about the things that we can communicate about, the openness, the fact that there is no problem or question that you can't come and ask an adult here. There is no judgment. There is no shame. In fact, we welcome questions. And so this point too about how there are some strategies, the strategies actually are that we actively like push away the beliefs that we've been given or that we've taken on over time about conversations about sensitive things and replace them with sexuality is a normal everyday part of life. People do it in all different ways. There's no one right way to do it. We're all different and difference is awesome and makes the world a beautiful place. Um, and that uh, if we can be accepted for who we are, that allows um, our sense of well-being and our ability to stand up for ourselves and speak out for what is right. Um, and say no for things that don't work for us much easier, right? And that all works for our children as well. So while sexuality is normal and, you know, we can talk about it like anything else, point two is that, yeah, but there are some strategies that need to come into play, which is dealing with our awkwardness, reprogramming the ideas we have about it. Point number three, I would like to talk about squick factor awareness. Squick factor awareness. Now, if you Google the word squick, you won't find the phrase squick factor awareness because it's something that I talk about inside the Evolved Family Method. And I want to explain to you what it is because it's going to be super important in preparing for your child to start primary school. The squick factor is a developmentally appropriate experience that 
almost all children go through, which is when they get to maybe eight, nine or 10, all of a sudden they are completely squicked out or embarrassed or horrified by conversations that we might want to have with them about sensitive stuff, particularly to do with puberty, bodies, kissing, like one of the signs that the squick factor is well and truly kicked in is if you're watching a movie and someone kisses on the screen and your kid goes, oh, that's gross. That is the squick factor. So when you know that the squick factor is going to visit your child at some point, and when it does, it is going to make conversations about puberty and bodies much harder, much harder for you because your kid isn't wanting to talk to you about it and much harder for your kid because there is something inside their body developmentally parents don't make it happen it just happens that is sort of pulling your kid away from having conversations with you about sensitive things so eight nine ten around that age range once you know this all of a sudden you can see why it is so important to have conversations early and often when your kids are younger before this quick factor comes into play. Because you've got, you know, so let's see, the person that's asking the question, I would say their child, if they're in Ireland, their child may be at the very end of four, about to turn five or around, around five years old going into school. So let's say that child, five, six, seven, let's say they get their quick factor at eight. This family, has three years to build very deep, connected, um, habitual, normal everyday culture around conversations about sensitive stuff. And so having this clarity that there is a deadline, you are on a deadline, if you want this to be easy for you and you want it to be easy for your child, then get in ahead of the squick factor kicking in. Um, and so that's why squick factor is really important. I wanna give you one example of a pyramid of progress from the growth pillar, just so you get a clear idea of how it's possible to be layering on information for your child, developing habits in your family. So when the squick factor happens, that um, your child already has heaps of information, heaps of support, and actually lots of habit around talking about sensitive things with you. So I'm gonna, I've taken, there's, there's nine pillars. I've taken one, the rights and responsibility pillar, and I am gonna give you an insight or just give you an overview of what's included in that pillar. If you wanna to talk to children four years old and under and lay the foundation for conversations about their rights and their responsibilities, right? So here are some of the things you can talk about with a child four and under. You can, and I'm gonna read them out because there's quite a lot of them. Um, you can have conversations and play games and things around knowing what their rights are, um, which leads to self-confidence. Knowing our rights leads to self-confidence. Who wants to raise a self-confident kid? Me, me, I absolutely do, right? It has implications for consent. Um, we can teach our child by example and giving them opportunities to do this that they can make decisions. They are able to work out what they want and speak up about it. Um, this belief, we can give them the belief that their body belongs to them. We do that through conversations and through the actions we take and the way we treat them in our home. Um, we need to show them they have a right to be protected and safe and that adults do that for young kids because remember we're talking about kids four and under, um, that they have a right 
to ask questions about sexuality and the body. They have a right to question their gender and what the world says the rules are about their gender. Um, and they're allowed to explore their body and be naked and be curious about all these sorts of things. Finally, we can help them practice yes, no, or maybe, or I don't know. Um, we can help them talk about and describe their needs and wishes, and they can start getting better at communicating skills. So for example, the skills of listening or trying to find words that explain or show their adult how they're feeling. All these are very basic stuff, that, but they're foundational skills for all sorts of really complex stuff later on related to consent and negotiating um, what feels right, pleasure, all those sort of things. So that is one pillar, the rights and responsibilities pillar. You've had, had a little snapshot into what can be possible and how you lay foundations for much more complex things um, with your child when they're four and under. And the way this ties back into the question is this. Preparing for questions um, that come from, from school is far much more about not waiting for the question, but rather building a foundation, the foundation of evolved communicating family by as the adult, um, creating the momentum and starting to have chats about things that your child may never ask you because you're building the foundation for um, when this quick factor kicks into play <clears throat> and then your child growing through puberty and into young adulthood. And um, I don't know about you, but um, if starting early to have conversations about sensitive stuff means that I'm going to be able to stay connected to my kid through the long term, even when they do all that sort of pu pulling away that they everyone talks about when they're teenagers, then I am up for that job. And it sounds like this person who asked this question is absolutely up for that job. And I imagine that you're up for that job too. So that is the answer to the question, how to get ahead of the questions that my child may ask me now that they are starting school. This person has um, a five-year-old. But this information doesn't do you much good unless you have the ability to challenge all those beliefs and all those habits about feeling awkward that you might have developed um, over time. Your family that you're raised in loved and cared for you very much and did the best they could, but um, you will have um, taken on maybe some feelings of shame or anxiety around having conversations about this sort of stuff. And so um, a pillar like the kindness pillar, for example, inside the Evolve Family Method, which is purely designed to give you the skills and abilities and time to notice the things about your body and your nervous system that make this hard for yourself and give you strategies and techniques to make it easier. And, you know, this is not a one and done sort of thing. This is a... Um, ongoing culture of care and compassion that we build for ourselves so that we can show up for our child in the way we want to um, the most. Now the Evolve Family Method is something that I teach inside the Evolve School and the Evolve School is currently closed. But if you would like to get um, ongoing support for this and maybe you would like to get sitting in a car sent straight to your inbox so you don't have to keep searching for it, um, wherever you come across it. So if you would like to do that, visit the link below, sarahsprell.com forward slash car, and uh, put your name down and um, I can do 
all the work for you and deliver sitting in a car straight to you each week to make it just a little bit easier to um, get comfortable having conversations with your kids about sensitive stuff in a way that will build deeper connection inside your family. Bye for now.